Coming up today in Eagle Eyes on Tech, the iPhone 15 Pro has some serious problems. NVIDIA was rated by, oddly enough, the French. The FTC tries yet again to stop Blizzard from being bought by Microsoft. And Meta announces new VR headsets and AI bots built based on celebrities. All that and more. Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. We're going to this the guys on Takai. I'm Eagle Falcon. I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm surprised about one thing. I'm surprised there have been no flaws found in the iPhone 15. So here's the thing, right? The iPhone, of course, is the most popular model of phone pretty much in the world all right it doesn't even come close no matter how big samsung is no matter how big sony google whatever it is no matter how big the monopoly that is huawei is it's nothing compared to the kind of market share that just the iPhone has. And it's mostly just because, well, Apple only makes two phones, the iPhone 15 and the iPhone 15 Pro. And every time a new iPhone launches, because there are so many Apple haters, everyone's gotta go out and find something wrong with Apple's new shiny iPhone. I'm not trying to say this from the point of view of an Apple lover or hater. That's just the fact of things, all right? So it comes as no surprise that some flaws were found, but here's the thing. Unlike previous years, these flaws are actually concerning. Like, legitimately, there's no other way to look at what's wrong with the iPhone 15 Pro and say, yeah, that's normal. So first thing first, I fix it when they did their teardown on the iPhone. I fix this does it every, every year, all right? New iPhone launches. Actually, nowadays, I, I fix it so big. Any phone launches that the mass public can get their hands on, they are going to do a teardown of it and give an evaluation based on, first off, A, how sustainable it really is, and also how repairable it is. And to the surprise of literally no one, pretty much, um, oh... Every single component is software locked in some way, shape, or form. So if you're an independent shop without the serialization key, you are basically SOL and you're going to give the customer back a defective product by trying to repair it.
Quick, raise your hand. Are you surprised by this? Is anyone truly surprised by this? I mean, I'm not. The 14 was as well. It, the, the 14 actually was given a pretty good score for repairability. And then Apple, after the fact, implemented this serialization nonsense. So basically what it means is that let's say, let's pretend I want to repair a phone. I don't, by the way. Those who actually do make a living repairing phones, Godspeed to you. I do not trust myself with a heat gun and a razor blade to not destroy a phone. Also, while my hands have repaired and resurrected many desktops, laptops, and small computing devices, modern small computing devices, my hands just aren't small enough to get in there and help. It is just impossible. It's not happening. Not in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to slice the ribbon cable. I just know it. There, there's just no way I'm not. But on top of that, let's say I actually did. Let's pretend I went in there, I replaced the battery. You know what's going to end up happening? Software is going to go ahead and say that's not the original battery. Detect it as counterfeit, even if it's a genuine original. And then just basically shut itself off. Refuse to operate on that battery. Refuse to operate the camera. Hell, refuse to use the fingerprint reader or facial scanner and Apple goes and said oh this is for security to make sure that anyone who went in and modified your phone that won't be able to get your credentials it's all for security bull pie it is solely for the purpose of trying to make repair impossible by anyone but Apple and Quite frankly, that entire nauseatingly cringy we care about the planet skit they did where they had a, a, allegedly Mother Earth in a uh, in a conference room say, trying to go over a checklist of how sustainable they are, it spits in the face of that whole thing and it's what makes that entire skit even more nauseating. So, here's the thing. Before... Apple, you start jacking yourself off off the satisfaction that our data center runs on 100% renewable resources or we ran the numbers and we're carbon neutral or whatever other fail math you did to make yourselves feel and think like you're environmentally friendly. You aren't squat until you actually honestly look at the repairability of your phones and stop lying to yourself and your customers this entire thing is complete bull pie to try and say that you're a green company is bs until you go ahead and remove this kind of bs software so that people can repair their own device and i mean really repair their own device not go ahead and rent your machines for $400 a day or whatever that stupid program is 
that is completely asinine and basically ensures that you get your pound regardless. No, 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 no. Real repairability. The kind of repairability that, you know, every other sustainable company actually does. The next time, remember this, and the next time any Apple lover friend of yours wants to talk about just how environmentally friendly their phone is compared to your Android, you give them this rant. And then look at them and say, now what? Because no matter how much they try to say they fix things, they haven't. <sighs> but now we got the environmentalist, oh, we care about the planet sort of bull pie out of the way. All right. We got that out of the way. What's the flaw? Because I said there's a flaw on the new iPhone 15 Pro. Or uh, actually just on the iPhone 15 Pro in general. So, here's the thing, alright? The iPhone 15, it has a couple of key new features, but one of them is in fact the, the, is the fact they changed from a titanium frame or I'm sorry changed from a stainless steel frame to a titanium frame all right they're making this a big deal like I rarely watch TV all right but I do watch TV for foot for the for American football season every single commercial break i am not even kidding there is an apple commercial trying to go ahead and sell the fact that it's like our pro phone is now made of titanium and admittedly there are some benefits to this titanium is a more durable metal but it's also lighter it's also much more expensive I want to say something like five times the cost of steel and like seven times more expensive than aluminum or something like that. So, I mean, there is a cost aspect to it, which then makes some of the things that came up about its durability shocking. Like, for example... There is no structural rigidity to the back of the iPhone 15. Jerry rig everything as he does every single phone release, buys a copy of the phone and then tortures it. I want to stress something. Most phones survive it. I would say 99% of all phones survive it. And this is an extensive test that includes scratchability, test the durability of the glass, how well it can bend, how well it can stand up to a lighter for no reason. There's a lot that goes into these tests. 
However, and actually since my podcast is now pretty much video everywhere, I'll actually even demonstrate on my S23 Ultra. He goes ahead and does a bend test like this, where he actively, from both sides, tries to bend the phone with his bare hands, like I just did. And as you can see, my phone is perfectly fine after doing so. There is so little structure on the back of the iPhone 15 Pro, and it's just the Pro model that the glass immediately shatters. When he did his teardown, which I'm hoping this article from WCC Tech shows, you then learn that a plate that is usually there on the inside uh, or on the back glass of the device is not attached to the glass at all. Someone in chat says, simple solution, don't bend it. But that's just the thing. You don't intentionally bend your phone. Your phone gets bent just by it being in your pocket. It may not be a lot of pressure, but it does happen. There's a reason everyone puts their phone in a case. It's cause these things are glass aluminum sandwiches. Yeah, no one's gonna go ahead and take their phone like this and try to actively bend it. That's not gonna happen. Not unless you're some kind of psychopath. But people drop their phones. People put their phone in a bag. Something lands wrong inside a purse. Things happen. And the fact that structural rigidity that was there in the previous generation just now isn't is a huge oversight. In addition, numerous people have been reporting that their iPhones have been overheating, which unfortunately I forgot to grab an article about. And one person, and I admit this is just one person, did in fact see their brand new iPhone 15 Pro Max suffer from spicy pillow syndrome. For those who don't know what spicy pillow syndrome is, it is when the battery begins to overheat so much that gas builds up inside the battery, and if it builds up too much, it can combust. Thus, a spicy pillow. Granted, only one phone suffered from spicy pillow syndrome. I am not gonna look at you with a straight face and say that's a widespread problem. It's not, but it's something to keep in mind when thousands of other people are saying that their iPhones are overheating. Now, Apple said they are going to go ahead and put out a software update to address the, um, the overheating. 
we'll see what that ends up doing. But holy cow. Oddly enough, my... In my case, my cell phone provider, I end up falling on the odd number of years for, uh, for update cycles, which is pretty much right at the beginning of the year of every odd year. So I couldn't update to this phone unless I wanted to pay a huge amount. Dude, if I was an iPhone user, I would skip this generation unless you're fine with just the basic iPhone 15. That's perfectly fine. The iPhone 15 actually seems like the better pick than the, than the 15 Pro by far. But I would not be surprised at all if uh, people find out later on that there is a slight revision and part of the frame that used to be on the glass all of a sudden on some 15 Pros suddenly is back on the glass. So iPhone users just... um. Be a bit more careful. And also that whole thing about us saying, you know, maybe, just maybe, you shouldn't pre-order. Hopefully you learn something from that. But of course, iPhones are expensive. I mean, they start at, what, seven, eight hundred dollars something like that. Can go up to two grand, probably. How about something cheaper? I got you. If you're a DIY guy, you can go ahead and build your own foam using one of the best mini computers there is. Ladies and gentlemen, there is now a Raspberry Pi 5. And it's been updated with its very first in-house SOC. Look, I'm just saying, all right? Hear me out. I'm willing to bet somewhere out there, knowing the Raspberry Pi community, Someone can get you everything, every part you need to build a smartphone using this thing. You laugh, but it's probably out there. Someone's probably already, you know what? I'm actually curious. I mean, I mostly just had this as a, as a transition from something expensive to something cheap, but now my own ad living has me curious. Someone has made a Raspberry Pi phone, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 100% someone made a Raspberry Pi phone. And they built it out of an MDF board. I'm just saying it can be done.
<laughs> Look out. I'll tell you what, the, if I ever see anyone out in public rocking a hand-built phone from a Raspberry Pi, I will drop what I'm doing and shake their hand. But yeah, this, this is good. It's good to see the Raspberry Pi is still, still alive and kicking, getting updates. Because you, you don't hear from those projects very often. And, you know, I know they're still active, but they don't get enough, they don't get enough focus, you know? They really don't. Not like being locked out of your Discord account, which apparently did happen. There was an internal error by numerous people that tried to fire up Discord, only be told that they have been blocked. Apparently this was a problem with their API backend and their security system that had been throwing out false flags for tons of various Discord users and they just woke up and saw Sorry, you have been blocked. You are unable to access discord.com. Now, allegedly, this was part of Cloudflare's security protocols, and they are allegedly 100% to blame. But then again, it only seemed to have affected Discord and no one else that Cloudflare works with, which does make me think that, that it, there, there's, a, there's something not quite right there. So we'll just have to wait and see if there's any other problems that arise from this. My mouse just suddenly decided that working was for suckers. Did it just die? I think my mouse just literally died. Okay, well, it's working well enough, but... Hmm. That's concerning. Anyway... <laughs> It's almost as concerning as uh, being in the NVIDIA French offices, which got raided. Yeah. Apparently, French authorities decided that there was reason to go ahead and raid the offices of NVIDIA after receiving approval from a judge in regards to antitrust. I know. NVIDIA committing antitrust? No. NVIDIA is the most friendly competitive company out there. They would never hold an, a monopoly over something like AI with, the, with an iron grip and then uh, try to go ahead and say that 
things like traditional rendering is dead to the world and long live only our proprietary nonsense they never do that right right can anyone tell that that's sarcasm yet But in any case, all we know so far is that the French government has in fact raided NVIDIA's offices at the crack of dawn as part of an investigation that is currently still ongoing. We can heavily assume that's in regards to nvidia's iron grip on the ai market but we we don't know much more than that we can only make assumptions after this this is going to be a very interesting one to follow just because <clears throat> government raids on offices are extremely rare granted at least here in the u.s the french don't exactly come off to me as Someone that would go ahead and just raid random businesses for funsies. But I admit, I don't know for sure. Meanwhile, with almost all of NVIDIA's GPUs now out, the leaks and rumors of NVIDIA's next-gen GPUs, the Blackwell GPUs, are starting to come out. Now... Blackwell GPUs, the next generation, this is going to be the RTX 5000 series, most likely. We don't know everything. We, we don't know specifics yet, all right? But everyone's saying, oh, it's going to feature up to 33% more cores and a 512-bit bus. And oh, let's be honest here. Does anyone care what the performance of these suckers are? Unless the price is actually competitive. Like, I want to be proven wrong, man. I really do. But holy cow. With just how much of a massive slap in the face the 4000 series has been. And granted, it's not even completely out yet. We still don't have the 4050 yet. Or the 4050 Ti. We're still waiting on those two GPUs, which... Who knows? They may never launch. NVIDIA may just say, screw the poor, and just never launch their entry level. Which is a real shame, because man... If you're just looking to turn a potato into a streaming PC, by God, the 4050 would be ideal. But instead, you're just going to get the finger. And then, you know, if you're hoping for an AMD to go ahead and step in, well, we already heard that AMD plans on foregoing the high end of next generation in response to competing in AI. Because, well, 
NVIDIA was selling cards a thousand percent markup in the AI market, which is also why us gamers are being told to go pound sand. <sighs> it's just unfortunate. It really, really is. So, I mean, yeah, 33% more cores, 512 bit bus, 40% more improvement. Who cares? It just sounds like it's going to be one big old batch of a disappointment as much as we want it to just be something, you know, be something that's not depressing. Now on the bright side, uh, AMD did launch its new FSR three. That's their version of DLSS. And they showed it off in games like Forspoken, you know, the platforming game by Square Enix that nobody liked. I shouldn't say no one. I actually do know one person that liked it. They may in fact be the only person who liked it. And also test and also showed it off in Immortals of Aveum, which I've never heard of. Has any, any of you heard of it? I haven't. Now, both of these are very high-end games and ones that are willing to partner with AMD. That's probably why they were featured. I don't know. The function is out. It will work on AMD cards, and it's a nice bit of a boost to games that, um, on cards that... You know, if it works really well and you can't tell the difference, why not? Like, I don't mind DLSS and, F and FSR. I just hate the way NVIDIA is going about it and literally giving us the same level of performance and saying, no, it's better because DLSS is better. That's being lazy. That's being lazy. And then on top of that, you're charging me more money and giving me the exact same. If it's more performance and includes this for even more, that's something else entirely. So for those that want to take advantage, this will actually also really help with um, the, Steam the Steam Deck and the Steam Deck clones. Because there you have very little GPU performance so this kind of technology going ahead and just giving you free performance without incre increasing your power consumption. Awesome. That's actually going to help there a lot. Now, while we hope that AMD competes with Intel, or I'm sorry, that AMD competes with NVIDIA, what about Intel? Intel is still making GPUs, right? There's a few concerning things.
All right. First off, Intel Alchemist cards, they're okay. They're still rough around the edge edges. They are still a decent card if you're looking to just get a, a cheap gaming card if you're playing modern games. But man, there's some things about the Intel Arc GPUs that are just super rough around the edges. And there's been a lot of talk about whether there is or isn't going to be a next generation Intel Arc, aka Battle Mage. Here's some news that I don't like, and I'm willing to bet not a lot of you are going to like either. Spokesman for the Intel Arc GPU provision division, Ryan Shrout has now parted ways with Intel. We're not entirely sure what the reason is. Ryan just said that on his, on his Twitter page that follows the season for change. Yesterday was my last day at Intel. This was posted on the 26th. I'm going to take a couple of weeks with the family. Then I'm excited to talk about what's next. So it sounds like he already has a position lined up. So I seriously doubt he just got poached by, uh, <laughs> could you imagine if Ryan Shrout got poached by uh, Linus Media Group <clears throat> or Gamers Nexus? So for those who actually don't know about Ryan Shrout, I actually know this guy decently well. Because before he was hired on at Intel, he actually was a senior editor over at another tech publication called PC Perspective. And they talked a lot about hardware and its capabilities. It was actually kind of a shocker. It was shortly after this podcast started that news came out, oddly enough, about when I stopped listening to PC Perspective's podcast because, well, this podcast needed fresh ideas and I didn't want to taint my ideas by listening to other podcasts. But just all of a sudden, hearing Ryan Shrout joined Intel, it just seemed like a shot out of nowhere. So he's moving on from Intel. If I had to guess... I would say we will most likely see this guy who's a great energetic guy, by the way. If I had to guess, we're going to see him over at AMD. Why? Why do I think this? Besides the fact that it's a move that makes some sense. Well, it's also because Scott Herkelman, the senior vice president and general manager of AMD's graphics business unit, is leaving AMD. This would be a move that would make sense that 
Ryan Trout would then step into the role that Scott Herkelman had going from one GPU division to another. There wouldn't need to be, as far as I'm aware, an NDA involved just because Ryan Trout was mostly involved in the promotional division. So he wouldn't know any trade secrets or anything like that. That's just my guess. But that's my bold prediction right now. We will have to wait and see how this all goes. But we're going to have even more to talk about. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about Sony losing their CEO in their entertainment division, as well as Counter-Strike Go also, or CSGO as everyone else calls it. I don't know why I said Counter-Strike. Also, CSGO also being let go. Yeah, CSGO is gone. We'll cover that in just a bit. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I was very confused for a minute because the system did not behave as I expected it to. Oh, that actually reminds me. It's it's now October. I need to start working on uh, next year's bumpers. Woo. Check out our Discord so that you can co- contribute to that as well. We need to get that going soon, too. But over at Sony, things have changed. We actually did a breaking news covering this, as well as covering a few of the meta stuff as well, because this kind of came out of nowhere. There was actually a lot of news that came out of nowhere. This one actually affects the most people. Sony Interactive Entertainment announced that Jim Ryan, their current CEO, is stepping down. He'll be step he'll actually officially be done at the <clears throat> uh, excuse me. He'll be stepping down officially as of March 2024. He will then be replaced by Hiroki Totoki, who will be the interim CEO effective April Fool's Day, 2024. Is this an elaborate April Fool's Day joke ahead of time? Now, I mentioned in the the breaking news episode that whenever a CEO steps down, they will always say, It's my time to go. I need to go and spend more time on my personal life. This, that, the other thing, blah, 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 blah. They all say it. But nine times out of 10, if you dig deep enough, you can find the real reason. Oh, that guy. Oh, that fiend. Why is he really stepping down? 
Why is he real? What scandal is he hiding? Well, for the most part, there's nothing I can find other than one of the obvious ones, that weird handheld controller thing that can only be played on the same Wi-Fi network as a PS5 that costs $200. That's like the only real black eye I can find, you know, other than the fact that PS5s were unavailable for like the first year and a half of it, of its inception. But uh, let's be honest, everything that launched in 2020 didn't exist until about 2022. Does that sound about right? Hell, I'm pretty sure no products, ex no electronic products exist in 2020. If you think you bought something in 2020, you really didn't. I kid, but only slightly. It was awful and no one would believe us. But while I go ahead and tell my next of kin all the, how everything in the pandemic was, how everything was strange and nothing was available and it was a, it was a different time. I can also tell them about CSGO. Someone in chat said the PS, the PS plus price hike. That's not big enough though. Like, like the PS plus price hike, nobody likes, right? But the problem is that everyone's doing price hikes because of the inflation that happened ever since 2020, oddly enough. And it's just been getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Everyone's been hiking their prices. Everyone. Your gas, your groceries, Netflix, Hulu, cable bills, electricity, especially electricity. Oh my God, our electricity bill doubled. <sighs> so the PS Plus price hike that would be really weird for Sony to go ahead and ax their CEO for that. Just because I don't want to normalize random price increases, but holy cow, price increases nowadays are just normal. Nobody likes it. Even the companies, God. Every time we look around and we actually, actually at our company, we had to go ahead and increase our prices a little bit. Yeah, we saw some company, we saw some business fade because of those price hikes, but we also had to because our bills were going up and we had to hike it up high enough that we could cover, cover that. It's awful, but it's the, it's the way things are right now. But I'm also not an economics expert. All right, let's shift back over to CSGO. 
CSGO is gone, by the way. After 900 years or however long Counter-Strike Global Offensive has been around, or CSGO as anyone with a functional brain calls it, that is now gone, and out of nowhere, Valve launched Counter-Strike 2. And in a very Overwatch move, deleted the old CSGO, and yes, Counter-Strike 2 is missing features that CSGO had. Okay, look, Valve, Valve, Valve. I love the fact you're making games, all right? I wish you'd do it more often. I'd love to see a Half-Life 3. We're never going to get it, though. I'd love to see a Portal 3. We're never going to get that, though. The number three doesn't exist in your database for reasons that scientists cannot explain. Just like we're never going to see a Counter-Strike 3. But copying Blizzard on the same business model that absolutely killed all favorability that exists in the Overwatch franchise, copying that business model is not a great plan. Now, it's still very early in the release of Counter-Strike 2. This literally happened on the 27th. So we'll have to wait and see how well this goes. Counter-Strike 2 is free to play. It is powered by loot boxes, just like CSGO. We'll have to see how things go from here, but... Ooh. The early launch is not looking good, and I want to be wrong. I really do want to be wrong, because holy cow. We could not have the last first-person shooters that people want to play be frickin' boring Call of Duty... Forknife and Valorant. Someone in chat said TF2. They have so much work they need to do with TF2. Like, help their massive botting problem. Maybe that has been taken care of and just no one's talked about it. God, I hope so. But speaking of Fork Knife, Fork Knife creator, by the way, that's Fortnite for those who don't, who can't tell that I don't respect Fortnite. Fort, Fork Knife creator Epic Games have cut their staff by 16%. And what is the reason for that, you might ask? Well... Budgetary concerns, of course. Huh. I wonder where Fortnite and Epic Games lost a lot of money on that they could have just not did instead of cutting their staff by over 15%. Hmm. Oh, man. Where could they have cut some... Cut some fat. Um, oh, yeah. 
the millions upon millions upon millions of anti-competitive behavior money spent on trying to go ahead and round up as many games as possible into being Epic Game Store exclusives. Yeah, look how well that panned out, huh? Billions spent in trying to get game after game after game after game after game to be an, an Epic Game Store exclusive. And what did the majority of us do? Because none of us wanted to go ahead and put the Epic Game Store on our on our PCs at all. We just waited. Hell, it actually hurt a lot of developers because God, freaking. There was one game I was really looking forward to. What was it? Um, Tiny Tina's Wonderland from Gearbox. Yeah, I ignored the game because it's like, oh, it's an Epic Game Store exclusive. Pfft. I'm not gonna get it off that off that garbage software. Especially since Epic Games, Epic in general just didn't invest nearly as much as they should have into the actual launcher. It was just awful. It was an awful experience for everyone involved. And while we're talking about waste within the company, oh my God. Can you imagine what the final number must have been in how much Epic spent on free games to give away on the Epic Game Store? How many millions of dollars were spent? Tens of millions, hundreds of millions, Who knows? We'll probably never know that number. But if you want to talk about, you know, where budgetary concerns can come in, it's the Epic Game Store. They wanted to go ahead and try to break up the admitted monopoly that Valve has on Steam. But the problem was that they spent so, so, so much on marketing giveaways and by far to me the most egregious behavior and what pretty much sealed the deal that I will never install the Epic Game Store launcher on any of my computers ever period bar none was the anti-competitive exclusivity deals on PC like imagine for so console players can understand this all right Imagine if you want to go ahead and get the latest and greatest game. Let's see. Let's say uh, what's what. Pick pick a game you really want. Let's say whether it be Final Fantasy Seventeen. That's not even a thought yet. Um, just pick whatever sequel game you might be looking forward to. Imagine if you heard. 
you couldn't download the game online at all. And the only place you could get it was like GameStop. You couldn't get it from Best Buy. You couldn't get it from Mega Media Exchange. You couldn't get it from any other store at all. You could only get it from GameStop. That's pretty much what the Epic Game Store was to PC developer, to, to the PC platform in a console equivalent. So yeah, they cut staff. This was 100% avoidable. You want to know why 800 employees just lost their job? Those exclusivity deals, all those free games, the constant push again and again and again for a software they just launched completely not ready to compete with a widely accepted and beloved platform, admittedly a monopolistic platform like Steam. If you want to go ahead and compete with Steam, you have to bring a better product than what Steam is. That's just all there is to it. It could have been better. But, oh well. Someone in chat says, thank God they have a uh, Chromebook and can't have the Steam Monopoly on their device. No, instead you have the Google Monopoly on your device. What a great trade-off that is, huh? I mean, I'll at least give, give them credit in that regard. You may have the Google Monopoly. Oh, some, someone else in chat points out that, the, that Epic couldn't, couldn't afford the manager bonuses, so they had to fire people. Yeah, they just... Uh... There was so much that went wrong with the Epic Game Store that they could have just done better. Someone in chat asked Epic has managers? Of course. <clears throat> of course they do. Every company ha has managers. Even if they try to go ahead and say they replaced... Like, management is one of those things that you really can't replace with an AI. God, especially with some of the like weird decisions a lot of like large language models make. You just 
you can try and outsource like your human resources to a software, but man, it shows very quickly that you cheaped out on that. But no, Epic doing some restructuring. But you know, I'll at least give Epic some credit. They're not Capcom. Because Capcom has a very troubling philosophy as of late. Their philosophy being they think raising unit prices is a healthy business model. We just had a widely accepted price hike that I still hate. Still hate. Beyond, how many of you are happy? That pretty much every single major release game is now 70 US dollars. Someone in chat says they released a new game. They found it interesting until they saw the price. What is the price? I got to know. I got what, What's the name of the game? First off. Does the article actually say what, what their recently released game is? But no, the, the industry has moved now to a standard price point of $70. They said it was $70. That's unfortunately now the norm. I hate it. Like every single game I bought for the PS5 has been $70. A lot of Switch games now are moving to seventy dollars. A lot of the a lot of the Switch games are staying at sixty, which is still high. I feel because every Switch game feels like every single Switch game feels like a high end DS game, and DS games are always like half price. They were always like thirty thirty five dollars. Now, Capcom charging $70 for Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch when the game on the Switch is like 30% of the game as far as quality and graphics goes. But I actually want to be clear on the Mortal Kombat 1. We talked about it before, but for those who missed it, Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch, you expect the graphics to be not as good as it would be on a PS5 or an Xbox Series series, all right? Or on the PC. You 100% expect that. Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch looked bad for a Switch game. Mortal Kombat 1 graphically was so lackluster it makes Animal Crossing looks like it has real-time ray tracing going on.
like it's horrendous and the fact they're charging 70 dollars for clearly a port that costed 70 dollars total to develop is just horrid a hundred percent but here's what's troubling all right The actual quotes that were said by the Capcom chief operating officer Sujimoto, I think that's how it's pronounced. T S U J I M O T O. Pretty sure it's pronounced Sujimoto. Look, I struggle pronouncing English. The fact I even get close in Japanese is a miracle. Let's be perfectly honest. We have such wonderful lines as, personally, I feel game prices are too low. Development costs are about 100 times more than they were during the Famicom era, but software prices haven't gone up to that extent. There is also a need to raise wages in order to attract talent. Seeing as wages are rising in the industry as a whole, I think raising unit prices is a healthy business model. There is something to that, okay? AAA games are much more expensive to make. But here's the thing, right? To say that game prices are too low when game prices have nearly doubled and then on top of that have additional paid DLC made to go along on top of that where you pay nearly double the cost to unlock everything that the game should have came with. To then go ahead, have season passes, microtransactions, loot boxes, all kinds of various ways to go ahead and squeeze just a little bit more out of your game. It starts to become obscene. So, I mean, here's... Let's go ahead and say if he thinks the current industry standard is too low, because that's what this is implying. The article then proceeds to go on about like, oh my God, recently there's been a whole $10 upgrade. The thing is that that $10 upcharge has existed since the launch of the PS5 and the Xbox Series series. We've had the $70 standard for a while now. It's just that not a lot of people were able to take part in the gaming market at that, t- at that time because the Xbox Series series and this pop-collared PS5 that's sitting next to me, you couldn't get your hands on them for two years of their life cycle. 
It was near impossible. So yeah, your costs have increased a thousand percent, let's say. All right. They've gone up drastically. I don't think they've gone up as much as a hundred times. I think that's a gross exaggeration. Because while games have gotten more sophisticated, so has the tools for developing them. I do admit the amount of effort required to make games between the old era and the new era has not kept in line with the tools that came up, but... Where's the line then? $60 I felt was too much. It used to be 50 for PC, 60 for console. Now it's becoming 70 for console. And it was 60 for PC for a while. Now it's starting to jump up to 70 for PC. Where's the line? How, how long is it going to be until half my paycheck goes to a brand new game? And then I still have to go pay another $100 in a season pass to go ahead and wait for DLC to come out later on for the rest of it. Because the other equation we're forgetting in this is how big the market is. The market has grown exponentially. It is a massive market. Yeah, your game has gone up from being able to sell for $30 in the Famicom era or whatever it used to be back then to now $70. But the amount of numbers you're selling have gone up 500 times since then. I'm sorry, dude. You're going to be hard pressed to find sympathy from me. Trying to compare to the old days, because in the old days, us video gamers were rare. Now, playing video games is the norm. I would, what would you say is the percentage of youth growing up now that is going to be playing some kind of video game? Seventy, eighty. Heck, I'm only about some of you said a hundred percent. Someone said, "Repeat the question." What percentage of kids growing up now are going to buy some kind of video game? In this day and age. 
I'd say somewhere between 70 and 80%. I'd even dare say 90%. Some of you even thought 100%. Someone said physical zero, digital 100%. Well, soon you're not going to have a choice in the matter if, frick, if there's anything we learned from frickin' from frickin' Microsoft. Pretty soon, if you're, unless you're playing frickin' Nintendo, there's going to be no carts. A lot of people are saying if you can include mobile games on phones, 100%. I would agree with that. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, actual AAA console-based video games. I'm not going to count mobile yet. Only because... We don't know yet with what Apple is pushing right now. The thing right now, we might be at the edge of like a new era in mobile gaming just because Apple claims they can get console games on their phone. Right now, the phones are nuking themselves, but if they can do it... That's much higher. A lot of people are saying console games are diminishing. The console will be dead in less than 20 years. You know what I hate about predictions like that? The console will be dead in less than 20 years. Any prediction that is further out in the, especially in the world of technology, any prediction that is trying to guess past year five, Go say the most outlandish thing you can. Just go ahead say the most outlandish thing you can. Uh, there'll be no physical computers or consoles in the home. All computers will be injected directly into your brain. And... <laughs> Technology moves in very strange ways. And for anyone to try and predict past five years is... I've just come to the conclusion it's impossible. Because two years ago, people thought, oh, actually three years ago, people thought that console-based gaming would be absolutely dead and it would be replaced with cloud gaming 100%. Right now, Stadia is dead, which at the time seemed like the best shot there was except by every single skeptic that exists. People thought the Chromebook would be the new platform of gaming, which it currently is a laughingstock of gaming entirely. And the only cloud player out there right now that is even remotely on the tip of anyone's tongue is the Xbox Cloud, which is a meme in and of itself. 
five years in the tech space, I will just tell you this now, five years in the tech space is an eternity. In five years, Intel could be back on top, have developed quantum computing, and begin launching it again in that amount of time. Or AMD could assert its dominance to the point where Intel could be to the point of being obscure, or Intel and AMD both could be absolutely dead. ARM computing could finally take over, and the concept of a desktop computer could be on its way out. We don't know. Like five years is literally an eternity in the tech space. In five years, all computers will, will be replaced with Nintendo Switch 2s. The Nintendo Switch Pro finally launches and, re and replaces uh, 214 core workstations in its superiority. Someone in chat says, to be fair, phones th these days ha have Nintendo... Nintendo Switch grade performance. You aren't wrong. The only thing that's keeping phones from actually being gaming platforms is the fact that there are so many terrible games on mobile devices that they flood out any competent game made for the phone. I've talked about this before. You want to know what my go-to is for gaming on my phone? <laughs> Someone in chat says Genshin Impact. I mean, that is probably like one of the only competent games in there. Point Clicker? No. It's this. It's a Super Nintendo emulator. Because I game up, gave up on trying to find anything else. Because I guarantee you... <laughs> The Super Nintendo emulator won't try to charge me for loot boxes. That's the state of gaming right now. A uh, person in chat says you can, you can emulate your GameCube and a Wii on your phone too. Yeah, you can. Look, I'll be perfectly honest. The main reason why I downloaded a Super Nintendo one was because I found out a, a game I loved on the NES apparently also got a Super Nintendo release and I decided on the phone, you know what? I'm looking into this. How good was this game on the Super Nintendo? And it turns out it is remarkably the same. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, I actually do have to take this break because we, we went on way too long about uh, Capcom just absolutely having the worst take in gaming in a while. When we come back, I want to talk about Platinum Games losing their co-founder as well as...
quite a little bit of a stir start starting up in the modding scene in Starfield. Don't go anywhere. We will be back. No one asked for it, but you got a Eurobeat mi mix of it has to be this way. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Director Hideki Kamiya, which I have almost 100% mispronounced. The director of the Bayonetta series is parting ways from Platinum Games. This felt like it came out of nowhere. It really did. And God, I, I don't know how Platinum Games survives without this. So this guy was basically like the beating heart of Platinum Games. Now, Platinum still has some of its other um, more interesting faces. Like, um, oh God, I am blanking on the name of the guy that was like the brainchild of the Nier series and, um, and Drakengard. God. It's going to bother me all day. Yoko Taro. Thank you. Thank you, chat. They still have Yoko Taro. All right. But. You're talking about the guy who was, you know. Kind of the pretty much like the heart and soul of Platinum Games. So, what's next for them? Can the rest of the team be able to put out the same level of quality without kind of like the head guy? It's kind of hard to say. Like, for example, can you imagine FF14 players? Can you imagine... That game, FF14 being the same without Yoshi P. You're kind of looking at the same level of like influence on the, on the entire studio. There's a lot of other talent underneath this guy, but you do need a good director, a good manager to go ahead and tie everything together. We'll have to wait and see what ends up happening, but I mean, someone in chat said it's, it's the, the end of platinum games is here and 
Kind of feeling a lot of people are going to say that. With that said, let's actually move on to the modding community of Starfield. This is an interesting little saga, all right? So Starfield was a AMD partnered game, which ticked off a lot of people because it meant that NVIDIA DLSS was not supported on Starfield, which by the way, the fact that games can just choose not to support DLSS means that NVIDIA's claim that DLSS is the future and standard rendering is obsolete, incredibly mind-blowingly stupid. I just want to stress that again. NVIDIA is just incredibly stupid for assuming that AI rendering is the future, traditional rendering is trash, because all developers just say is just no. We're going to do it our way. And screw you. Someone in chat says AI is not the future. The current iteration of AI is not because of the, the current iteration of AI is not the future. I'll say that much. AI is still the future, but what we have right now is not AI. Let's be honest here. Like current AI is not AI. Chat GPT is not AI. It's a, it's a large language model. Someone in chat said the reason it did not release with DLSS is not because of AMD. It's because NVIDIA didn't care. That's not what everyone has said. The game published as an AMD partnered game. That's literally whatever they say. That's literally what everyone said. That's the story broke. That's not what I've heard. I don't know where that came from. Because AMD put their, their brand, their branding behind the game. That is what pretty much everyone has said leading up to the leading up to the game's launch. And then after the game's launch. That's what every news source I've, I've seen, seen has said. It's a similar to how a NVIDIA put, put their branding behind a lot of games that supported PhysX back when they tried to push PhysX harder than the sun and then PhysX died a, a very quick death because nobody cared about PhysX. Someone in chat says the reason it did not, didn't ship with DLSS because NVIDIA pulled resources from the game, game team and they couldn't get it done in time because the engine is a mess. I believe it, but I haven't heard that. So, regardless, moving on to the story, because we're not talking about how NVIDIA shot themselves in the foot and how NVIDIA is stupid beyond belief. We're talking about the modding scene. That's what this story is about. Starfield did not launch with native DLSS support. Starfield does have DLS support now. I don't know to what degree. But 
shortly after the game launched, a mod was developed that allowed DLSS to work on Starfield. This mod was a paid mod. You had to pay for the, for the mod in order to use it. Which then resulted in people starting to pirate the mod. All right. That brings us to now. The developer of the DLSS mod hits back at pirates and threatens to add a hidden, threatens to add, quote, hidden mines in future mods. Do I need to point out how stupid this is? Not to bring back FF14, but there's a lesson to be learned in FF14. Let me tell you a story. It's a story we covered before. It is a story about a mod for FF14 called G-Shade. G-Shade is a fork off a open source tool called Reshade. Reshade is a tool that is used for actually a lot of games that would go ahead and add post-processing to the game and would greatly torture your GPU to add visual effects that made it more pleasant to make screenshots at the cost of reducing your frame rate from a pleasant 60 frames per second to a wonderful 6 frames per second. All right? Then one day, someone tried to go ahead and get around the updating features of G-Shade, because G-Shade was updating, like, every day for, like, two weeks. And people were getting sick of having to download new versions of G-Shade. So then one day, the maker of G-Shade inserted... inserted... Code into G Shade that if you tried to skim the install of G Shade and get some of the proprietary software that was in G Shade, it would take root access of your machine and force a shutdown without and basically bypass any sort of safety protocols and basically do a malicious shutdown of your PC. And he said this was just like a hidden little trigger. To get around anyone trying to pirate my proprietary software. Essentially, he installed malware into his software. And overnight, what was the most widely accepted tool for taking cool screenshots. And keep in mind, this was free software. G-Shade was free. 
Well, went from the de facto standard, went to hated by the community, and then banned on GitHub and every single repository out there overnight. In the course of two days, G-Shade was dead and shunned by the community. So, Mr. Pure Dark, who is the mod creator of this, do you think following that route to get back at a handful of pirates is worth your credibility? Right now, mods are welcomed in the world of Bethesda because it means Bethesda has to go ahead and do no work to, to actually fix their games. Just say, go, go work on mods, LOL. Just download some mods and fix the game. Easy. Do you want to go ahead and, and install some malware in your mods and make Bethesda rethink this open policy of modding? Do you think that's wise? Someone in the chat earlier as I was describing all this said, before I even described any of what I just said, they just straight up said, yeah, never download, just never download anything from that guy ever again. Yeah, pretty much. Someone in chat said Bethesda would have to then fix it themselves. They're never going to turn against the modding community because they'd have to do that. Oh my god. I mean, there is that. Yeah, what, what's stronger? Bethesda trying to save their reputation because the modding community is trying to malware themselves? Or Bethesda actually having to bug fix their games? What's stronger? What desire is stronger? I might have to side with the latter, but at the same time, if there's anything I know from being part of these kind of communities, I mean, I've been part of the Athena community with uh, Ragnarok Online for a very long time. And there's one thing I know. You never, ever ever poke the bear never even if it's a lazy company like gravity that just never cares you never poke the bear you never want to risk that the bear that has been sleeping for a decade might wake up. You never take that chance. This, this moron here, this pure dark guy, is risking to poke the bear. I doubt the bear will wake just because their desire to actually fix games themselves is so low. It's unreal. Don't ever take that chance. Ever.
But you know, we'll have to see what ends up happening. But speaking of stupid decisions, let's talk about the FTC. Because the FTC already once before tried to block the merger of Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. In fact, that decision took a while and ended, they ended up losing. All right. They ended up just not going through with it because they were basically laughed out of court. So now that the deal looks like it's ready to go through, what is the FTC doing? They are winding up to take another stab at it. Why? Why? You already botched this. You already lost this fight. What on earth do you actually plan on doing this time around that's going to succeed? They have to hurry quick too, because right now the Activision... The acquisition looks like it's going to be going through pretty much imminently. They're waiting on like one more case to just be finally wrapped up over in the EU that has been tied up for a long time. And then that's it. They can begin merging. So the FTC going ahead and just like ramping this up yet again. I just don't get it. I really don't. But what they're saying is that if the if the merger is consummated, it would enable Microsoft at any key inflection point in a massive and growing industry to foreclose platform rivals from a leading in input provider, Activision which produces some of the industry's most popular games at stake, therefore, is whether the emergence emergence of and cloud gaming markets with will calcify into holocopolistic walled gardens or evolve into open competitive landscapes where games are platform agnostic. New platforms can emerge to challenge established incumbents and and consumers are free to choose where and how they access their games. For those of you who don't speak word, legal word salads, which is what I felt like I just said there, the FTC is suddenly trying to go after this acquisition on the grounds of cloud gaming. A market that no one wants, that no customer wants to get in on. Which, by the way, was the market that the UK 
board of competition was tied up on. And finally, Microsoft decided, fine, we'll go ahead and let the Activision games be managed by Ubisoft. As far as cloud gaming goes. Which is really silly and weird. And at the same time, I don't think anyone cares. So, basically, the FTC is bringing up a point after the UK already solved it to a point on a market that nobody cares about. Right now, the cloud gaming space is so young and so unusable that nobody wants to be a part of it. Seriously, can you pick anyone who is excited about cloud gaming? I can think of two people that I know of. I'm not talking about businesses. Oh, no, no, no. Every business is excited for cloud gaming because they see it as a money-making opportunity and a, and a point to charge subscription services, which means consistent revenue. Let me tell you as a business owner, the best thing you can get is subscription revenue. Consistent, reliable revenue is just beautiful because your costs are consistent. Sometimes they go up a little, sometimes go go down a little, but th those costs are stable. I know how much I'm going to have to pay my employees every month. I know how much my electric bill is going to be every month. I know how much my rent is going to be every month. I know all of those things. You know what's not consistent? The amount of money I make. That fluctuates so wildly. There are months where I'm just like, <laughs> Oh boy. Might have to take out a loan to go ahead and make sure the payroll doesn't bounce. Businesses love consistent re revenue. That is why these game companies are so all in on cloud gaming. Consumers, on the other hand, there are so few that are interested in cloud gaming, it's not even funny. Pretty much, if you live in North America, unless you are a tech enthusiast and are just interested to see how it works, you don't care about cloud gaming. I almost guarantee it. Europe might be another story. Someone in chat says if you live in Germany, you just straight up can't use cloud gaming. There's that too. These services are available basically only on countries that nobody cares about. There's that aspect of it as well. So the, the FTC's concern here is beyond stupid. They're trying to go, they're, they're, they think they're galaxy brained. But this is such a, you know what the FTC did here? Here's what the FTC did. All right. The FTC 
is so smooth-brained. They're stealing the UK's argument for why not to allow this merger and then changed a few words so that it looks like their own work. They literally copied the UK's homework for how to be obnoxious. Brilliant. Man, I just, I, I can't. It's, it's brilliant, man. It's just absolutely flipping brilliant. This case is gonna go nowhere, by the way. But hear me out though. Maybe the FTC can actually do some good. Maybe the FTC isn't completely smooth brained. Maybe they can actually make a good point. Like, maybe they should look at uh, Amazon. And now they use their power to warp prices of goods across uh, the internet. Holy hell, they actually went ahead and got up to speed with like every Finally a good take from the FTC. Granted, you're like 4 years late to the party. But then again, this pretty much is on point with uh, the very slow wheels of the federal of the US federal government. Actually, just government in general. So, huzzah, huzzah, the FTC is actually going ahead and pushing against Amazon and their rather scummy ability to go ahead and just uh, casually... Uh, Manipulate prices on a global scale. Yeah, it's about time. It's, it's about time. Meanwhile, in another US-based acronym, the FCC has put out plans to restore net neutrality rules that were repealed during the previous administration. I know a lot of you are about to cheer because the core concept of net neutrality sounds great on paper, but let me tell you a secret. The old net neutrality rules sucked. So net neutrality for those who don't know because someone in chat said they didn't know net neutrality is the concept that all traffic on the internet is treated equal so this means for example that if i were using data on my cell phone and let's say i was watching a movie on my cell phone because i was doing on a on a road trip that the wireless provider could not throttle my data connection 
for watching that movie on, say, Netflix versus watching on Hulu. Or watching it on Netflix as opposed to their own service or anything of that nature. They can't prioritize traffic on their network. On paper, this is a very good thing. All right? It is a very good concept, and I do agree with it. Let me tell you a secret. The only thing that the old net neutrality rules did was prevent T-Mobile from offering free Netflix as part of a promotional deal. It did not prevent throttling of any kind on any network. It didn't remove data caps, which is what it alleged it was supposed to do, but didn't have any actual written language to do so. It didn't do anything for actual net neutrality, but everyone praised it as this great thing. It was God freaking awful and was put in so sloppily that it took one guy to get rid of it. That's how bad the old net neutrality rules were. They were terrible for consumers and they were terribly implemented. It was absolutely a failure across the board. They didn't go through to try and implement these rules correctly. They didn't go through to try and actually think their rules through at all. But I mean, now the FCC, now that we're three years into this current administration and look at the previous administration as being garbage because they repealed the rules of saying, let's put those old rules back in. No! If you're going to reimplement net neutrality, write up your own stuff. Don't take the other garbage rules that were done so garbagely, they didn't do anything other than to say to everyone, good news, everyone, we have a net neutrality, and then give a thumbs up and then, and then enjoy praise from the masses without actually doing your job. That's like me saying I fixed the, the hole in the ceiling by putting a piece of scotch tape up there and then be praised for it. That's all the old net neutralities were. They were awful. But by all means, Praise it again. Hallelujah. Praise the, the current idiot administration for reimplanting net neutrality. Peace is restored to the internet once again, even though they absolutely are not. The old rules were terrible. Repealing them, although a bad decision, was minimal. but didn't change anything because the rules were so badly written. Someone in chat asked, was net neutrality ad done with Burger King? $5 for a Whopper, Whopper waiting 20 minutes or paying $20 to have it instant. That's roughly what um that's rough 
like that's a pretty rough example of what net neutrality is. but here's the thing like if you use that an that analogy that's pretty accurate except the rules didn't even pay didn't even fix that They didn't even prevent that sort of thing from happening. Like that sort of throttling was still going on. There was just no teeth to, to the old rules at all. But you know what? Hey, go for the easy win. Reinstate the rules that did nothing. And then enjoy your self-gratifying little trophy that uh, says that, hey, we did the thing we actually didn't do. Someone in chat says, we don't have it here in Europe. At least I never heard about it. We just pay for a speed connection. That's all. It would happen on the back end. All right. So you as the consumer, and it's the same here in the US, we just pay for a connection speed. That sort of prioritization of speeds happens on the back end. That's always happened between, say, Comcast and Netflix. It would never come to the actual consumer. It was always just like a back end of how things operated. The only thing we'd see here in the States, and I think this is something you see in Europe as well, but fight heavily against it, is that you would have data caps. So like, for example... On my phone, I have an unlimited data plan. So I pay for my speeds, which are atrocious because 5G, 5G is crap. And on, uh, but I could, if I wanted to pay less and only be allowed up to like five or 10 gigabytes of data on my phone someone in chat says mobile data cats are a thing are are only a thing on mobile on landlines they always fail so that's mostly the case here in the states too except i have heard in some areas where uh it's usually comcast oddly enough that has it where they'll go ahead and say, oh yeah, we're going to put a hundred dollar, hundred gigabyte uh, data cap on it. Or like AT&T will try to enforce it. And uh, what ends up happening almost always is that you pretty much just decide, I'm just going to go with literally anyone else. And it's kind of how AT&T lost a foothold here in Wisconsin. Because they tried to go ahead and compete with then Time Warner, now Spectrum. And said, and ATD was like, we're, we'll have like a whole terabyte of a data cap, but we're cheaper. And we're not doing that. 
and just they just go to com they just go to not Comcast uh Time Warner. Now, AT and T has no data cap. It's gone. Poof, vanished. It's pretty much been competed out of existence. But net neutrality was supposed to do away with those kind of data caps as well. Spoiler it didn't. Someone in chat says AT&T does have a data cap in my state of Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure it doesn't anymore. Well, my, unfortunately my building, um, AT&T doesn't even have, uh, doesn't even have connections to this building. So I couldn't even get AT&T here if I tried, which honestly I did try. I actually did want fiber, but like if I go just straight up internet, And say without wireless. There is nothing mentioning data caps at all. Yeah, I don't see anything. I know they're good at hiding it. Like, it's just not there at all. Someone in chat asked, do you get charged for the ability to do Wi-Fi? So... A lot of providers, at least here in the U.S., will offer the ability to include Wi-Fi. But that's just on their provided equipment. That there'll be a monthly charge. Anyone will... Um, you, can just, you can just pay for just the connection in and then buy your own modem and, and wireless router and just not worry about it. And I tell everyone, just do that. Maybe buy the modem if, if you're too afraid that you're going to go buy the wrong one. But just buy your own router. There's no reason you should ever pay for the router. That is just $10 a month or $20 a month if it's a Wi-Fi router that you're just basically being ripped off on. Yeah, they, just, they said in the chat, it's a scam. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other questions I missed here in the chat as I went to go ahead and see if there's still ca data caps because I can't find anything involving caps in my area, like at all.
But in any case, we need to get, get, we need to move on from from this. Oh my god, that's all that's available. Internet speeds are available in your area up to 10 megabits per second. Ooh. Wow. That's... That's better than it used to be, but holy cow, that is... Awful. Absolutely not. $55 a month for speeds up to 10 megabits per second. That's... <laughs> now, keep in mind, that's... The way these work here in the U.S. Your internet speed, by the way, is two speeds. There is an upload speed and a download speed. Almost always the speed that's advertised is download. And pretty much for every consumer internet, download's the only one you care about. I, as a content creator, have to care about my upload speed. The upload speed is unusable for me. Oh my god. That other chatter is right. There is a 1.5 terabyte data cap on that. Here's the best part I love about this. For the first 12 months, it's $55 a month, and then it's $70 a month after that. I pay $70 a month now through my current provider. <laughs> Can you even reach 1.5 terabytes on 10 megabits per second? I don't think you can. But my current provider, I pay $70 a month. I'll just say that right now. I pay that for 300 megabits down and 20 up on a consumer line. I just you can't make it up. You just can't make this up. And if I wanted to pay another 20, I could like double that on both ends. Yeah, that's 1.5 terabytes. Yeah, so, so here in my area, there are data caps for an absolute abysmal ripoff. That's awful. That is actually awful. I also did hear that uh, TDS is also my area supposed to be switch is supposed to be putting down new fiber lines. I know my mother's been actually very excited to switch to TDS because it's because she's saving like half her bill and then getting fiber. <laughs> so it's just straight up gigabit both ways. Done. And unfortunately, they're not in my area yet. Otherwise, I would totally do that in a heartbeat. Are, are we getting off track enough? We're, we actually need to take another break again. We're never going to finish. All right. Let me just quickly get all of the government stories out of the way. All right. 
Next up, the CIA is building its own artificial intelligence tool to rival with China. Yes, the CIA is building their own large language model solely in an arms race to build the dumbest chatbot that that society has ever seen to rival China's, China's dumbest data mining chatbot that ever blighted the planet. Someone in chat did the math and I would have to max out the the 10 megabit per second line for four and a half, 14 and a half days to reach the 15, the 1.5 terabyte data cap. It's a data cap that's high enough. You're never going to reach it. But uh, let me tell you something. No, no to the data cap, no to those speeds, no to the price. Rip off, rip off, rip off, rip off. But can we just agree that the race here to make a um, everyone's own large language model is just absolutely stupid? Like, look, this technology is, has been very interesting, but we're starting to already see with ChatGPT that this entire thing, the entire thing with large language models, it's just, it's not, it's nowhere near as good as people want it to think it is. <laughs> someone, someone in chat please stop killing the planet over chat gpt thank you but think about all the porn you could have it right it'd be so great <laughs> i don't know just just think about all the smut you could have chat gpt to, I don't know. But ChatGPT at least does have some new features. We'll talk about those new features after this break. We're going to go ahead and wrap this whole thing up. ChatGPT getting new features, Meta announcing new features, and some really, really, really stupid AI stories. We got some good stuff coming up next. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Chat GPT will now be able to take prompts from pictures and speech. A feature that I'm pretty sure a few people are intrigued by, but that's about it. So you can just upload a picture, it'll interpret that and then give a response based on the picture or also just by talking. Someone asked how long will it take to have this feature on Snapchat? I, I don't know what Snapchat's willingness is to work with uh, with ChatGPT. I'm not gonna lie. But you know, it is what it is. They, they say because they hate replica. 
I want to say replica is based on. Oh wait, is replica that weird, like virtual girlfriend thing? I don't remember. I think I might be mixing up names. If replica is what I think it is, I do remember replica like hallucinating and like encouraging users to like commit suicide. And I caught and I caught a lot of flack for that for a while. Replica is the weird. Ver okay, it is what I thought it was. I hope they fix that. <laughs> but yeah. Now chat GPT will directly do that because before people were using other tools to convert pictures and speech to things chat GPT could comprehend. That's now going to be integrated directly into chat GPT. We'll have to see how that affects things down the road or maybe, maybe we can just actually start looking into actual AI instead of large language models. Just a thought. But I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon because Getty Images is announcing their own commercially safe generative AI picture offerings. Oh, boy. You know, funny enough, all right. For half a year, there has been a strike going on with the writers unions here in the u.s all right one of the biggest concerns with that was in fact was in fact that ai would just replace what they're doing and they wanted and they wanted concessions for that not happening what about the artists what about the photographers all right how long is it going to be until Getty Images gets sued for training their large language model on other photographs taken by other people to then power this image generator? <sighs> this will be a fun one to go ahead and see who fights back on it. But now it's time to talk about everyone's absolute favorite darling in the AI space ever. That was sarcasm, by the way. Nobody likes these people. And the people who do, they don't like them. They just like their money. It's time to talk about Meta. Because Meta... The artist formerly known as Facebook had, uh, well, their yearly press conference where they talk about all their newest things, their thingamajigs and their doodads and their what's-its. And the core focus this time around is on, in case you couldn't figure out the theme, AI. Yep. They have a new family of AI experiences and for some reason they are powered by actually a lot of things. First off we have stickers 
that are generated by AI. I cannot wait for the horrifying nightmares that are created using their large image model Llama 2, as well as their image generation called Emu. That is just going to go ahead and make stickers for WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram, and Facebook stories. Someone in chat says Llama 1 was great. Yeah, remember that part where they made Llama 1 open source? That was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> For those who don't get the joke, um, Facebook, in typical Facebook fashion, accidentally leaked everything for their large language model called Llama. They leaked the whole thing because Facebook can be trusted with data. Remember, Facebook can be trusted with data. Anyway, there is also going to be new tools for image editing with AI. Such as adding filters using with Instagram using AI as well as restyling, editing the backdrop, all sorts of features soon coming to Instagram, which could be very interesting. We'll have to see how that goes. There's also going to be an assistant that's that expands on their support for their apps and devices. And the thing everyone was talking about from this, the universe of AI generated characters that are at your fingertips that use very generic terms like the funny man or the businessman but here's what's even crazier. These very generic AIs are based on actual celebrities. The dance robot, Charlie D'Amelio. The golfing bot, powered by Chris Paul. The funny man, powered by Mr. Beast. A detective partner powered by Paris Hilton for some reason. A dungeon master powered by Snoop Dogg. The list goes on of just all kinds of... Did I tune out of the Zucks reality and tune into Elon Musk's? I feel like I just finished one fever dream and then swallowed a new one. I, I, I don't understand. I really don't. But here's what I can guarantee you. No one's made an AI version of me yet. And I'm hoping it kind of stays that way. So we'll have to wait and see how this all rolls out, but it's going to be interesting. Though, Meta also had some hardware to announce. Introducing the Meta Quest 3, which is now a mixed reality headset as opposed to a virtual reality headset. And it's going to start at $500 because of course it is. 
can anyone else piece together why the change? Why is this suddenly a mixed reality headset as opposed to a virtual reality headset? So first off, you compare this to the previous line that they launched. It's now $200 more expensive. Hmm, that price increase, that's good stuff. But of course, they don't want you to look at it and say, whoa, this new headset is $200 more expensive than the old $300 one. That seems really weird. No, no, no. Don't pay attention to that part. Don't pay attention to the fact that our new VR headset is more expensive than our old VR headset. Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that it is $3,000 less than Apple's mixed reality headset. That's the reason it's to compete with Apple's Vision Pro. You know, Apple's $3,500 dev kit. That's the real push. There's no other reason. You could go ahead and try to say, is it because of Microsoft? No, Microsoft hasn't released a product yet. Is it because of Valve? No, Valve hasn't released a new index uh, yet. They've been so focused on just raking in uh, Steam Deck profits. Is it because of HTC? What about HTC? No, it's all Apple. Apple's the only one who has released a mixed reality headset that anyone is actually somewhat interested in. But here's the thing. The $500 price point is smart. It re I hate to say it, but it is. It is a very smart move. Because it is $3,000 less than the one everyone else is talking about. But the thing is, is that much like the $3,500 Apple Vision Pro, $500 is a high price to pay to tell the general mass to say, hey, pay $500 for this cutting edge piece of technology that no one knows the real use case for yet. Good, good luck. They're hoping, what they're really hoping for is to just be the budget alternative to the Vision Pro. But the moment Apple makes a cheaper headset, they are screwed. Don't buy this headset. And while you're at it, don't buy these new smart glasses either. These new Ray-Ban meta smart glasses that honestly actually look like fairly competent sunglasses. Don't buy them. Don't, don't buy cameras that are connected to Mark Zuckerberg. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. So what if it has a digital assistant in it? Don't do it. Just don't. Yeah, they look like some, they they look like real glasses. They look like something you'd wear. Don't do it. Quick, raise your hand. How many of you are going to go ahead and buy these new Meta sunglasses? All of you that just raise your hand, slap your hand. Both A for thinking I can see you raising your hand, and then B for actually doing this. No. No. Bad. No.
you don't give the lizard people access to cameras. No. Someone in chat asked what's the UK says. Don't worry about it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. I could tell you that the thought process is that so you could take pictures anywhere so you can go ahead and have a digital assistant attached to your head at all times. But uh, hear me out. You could not. You could go ahead and just use your phone to take pictures and not be a weird, creepy spy taking, ca taking pictures without people knowing. And worst case, you taking pictures without people knowing and then sending them to the our lizard overlord, Mark Zuckerberg. You absolutely should not do that. If you really want to go ahead and listen to music on the go, just just have earbuds. Use a Bluetooth earpiece. Do something. Do and just just don't. This is stupid. Don't do this. Just don't do this. All right. But you know it's okay though, because Meta cares about your privacy. But you still shouldn't do all this other stuff. Now, real quick. After the whole thing, after the whole thing, they did want to go ahead and reinforce that at Meta, the company that is notorious for skimming your data and selling it to the highest bidder and has made profit off everything you do and the size of your turds since their inception, they want to ensure that your privacy matters and that they will respect your privacy. Incidentally, on this same thing where they say their privacy matters, they mention they're, that they're selling spy glasses. I don't even need to say anything. The jokes write themselves. Like, what, what, what else do you want me to say? All right, what, what else do you want me to say? Do you want me to tell you that Meta's gonna watch everything you do, skim your data, and sell it to the highest bidder? Do you want me to tell you that uh, everything you do in the Metaverse is gonna be watched and then ads are gonna be so sold to you? And inevitably the data's gonna leak out and whatever you thought was private between you and the Zuck is gonna get out to the masses because Meta can't- Meta can't even keep their own large language models secret! The thing that was supposed to be closed source became open source because they were morons and leaked it out because they can't help themselves. They are that bad with managing data. You can't look me square in the eye and tell me that Meta cares about privacy when they have nothing but a history of leaking out every piece of private data they can get their hands on. You can't look at me in the square, f <laughs> the fact they have their new glasses with discrete cameras so that you can take pictures without anyone noticing and then try to sell me the safe breath that they care about privacy. You can't make this up. It is absolutely incredible. Let's talk about another company you can trust. Let's talk about Reddit. Reddit is now gonna pay you real money for your posts suddenly for no reason the company that um went ahead and did everything that's power to piss off every single developer ever 
is now going to pay users for your good karma points or something. At least they're not trying to charge Reddit users um, $8 to collect money on that. Someone in chat asked, who's going to be the judge of the good post? Why, it's going to be based on your upvotes. This is going to be abused like you would not believe. If this gets implemented, I guarantee you the most dumb, asinine things ever are going to be upvoted so much it'll make your eyes bleed. All you gotta do is just make a bot. Make a bunch of bots. Click, 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 click. It's... It's dumb. It's dumb. And then in the same breath, Reddit also removed the ability to opt out of targeted advertising so reddit first pissed off all their developers by charging so much to use the api that a lot of these developers just straight up declared bankruptcy and shut down. Now they're going to tick off the users by just saying, yeah, we're, you know, how before you were able to opt out of data collection for targeted advertising. Yeah, that ends. We're harvesting you for data. Now you have no choice. Now, this is going to be going out to everywhere except several select countries, TM. I guarantee you these countries are China, because good luck trying to skim data out of China, and a few countries in Europe. I guarantee it. just weird and speaking of weird Amazon is going to be charging you to use your Echo Show device as a digital picture frame on the Echo Show 8 you can get the photos edition of the Echo Show which cost $10 more than the standard Echo Show I should explain what an Echo Show is an Echo Show is a Echo powered device. This is the assistant that starts with an A. Really? That one you heard? Anyway, enough of yelling at my idiot puck. That will show in that has a screen that shows information on its screen. You can set it up to display pictures, but on the Echo Show 8 model, which is the most popular one, you can go ahead and have it show photos in a slideshow 
on the Echo Show 8 Photos Edition that will show you fewer ads, but instead, the device costs $10 more, and after a year, you need to start paying $2 a month to have it show photos. $2 a month for a device to show my own pictures and to have it go ahead and listen to everything I say. What a great deal. What, what, what an amazing deal. It's just incredible. I mean, just take my money now. Now, here's what slays me, all right? Hear me out for a second. For those who actually want a digital picture frame, first off, you can get a digital picture frame for like 50 bucks. And it's gonna be bigger than eight inches. And that's just gonna go ahead and cycle through pictures on an SD card. No cloud, no internet required, no nothing. Just easy peasy done. Second, the Echo Show 8 has to sit on a countertop. You can't even get this in the 15-inch model, which actually hangs on the wall like a picture would. I you just can't make this up. It's so, so incredibly stupid. Alternatively, hear me out, go get a Google one. It has a picture frame mode in it normally anyway. And it doesn't cost extra. Someone in chat asks, is this one a person is using Amazon Photos as well? You need to pay $2 a month extra to have it use photos from Amazon Photos, which is the only way to get pictures on the ecosystem as it is. Dude, Amazon, Amazon, here, here, come closer, all right? You gave me hope that you're not gonna kill the Echo ecosystem. All right, your recent, there's been signs that the Echo ecosystem has been dying. All right, you gave me hope with these recent announcements. Now, you're making me wonder what's going on. This is stupid. Someone in chat asked, but it's been doing this already for future for years for free. This one has fewer ads. That that's it. That's the feature. It has fewer ads. I do, I do not understand. Amazon is just 
beyond my understanding. But, speaking of Google, there is some good news. YouTube is going to be relaxing its advertiser-friendly guidelines around certain controversial, controversial topics like abortion, domestic abuse, and eating disorders. Before, no matter which side you stand on, if you talked about any of these topics, instant demonetization. Now, they're going to be more relaxed on these sort of things. Now, if you go out and take an extreme position, like, I can't even think of one. Can I even, is there an extreme position I could even fake take that wouldn't get me in trouble with any of the networks that this podcast transmits on? I don't think there is. Like, if you take an extreme position, like, um, imagine one. You're still going to de get demonetized. But if you go out and have, like, a, a positive message, like, if you, th if you think you're the victim of, of abuse, you know, talk to someone, get separate opinions, you know, seek help if you feel like you need, you need help. You will no longer be demonetized on YouTube as you were before. Ch Chat's just saying, move on, move on, move on. This is actually important because to think that before offering a positive message about some of these topics was just grounds for being straight up demonetized is, <laughs> is insane. This kind of reminds me of like back when the virus TM was so brand new that just by saying COVID, you instantly not only got your video demonetized, but potentially just unlisted entirely. Like even if you just went, even if you just went like, man, that COVID stuff's really crazy, huh guys? And just like made like topical conversation about like how you don't know anything. Not even like taking a stance, just like it's crazy what's going on the hammer would come down like nobody's business. Like it, it ranks right up there and it's, it's good to see YouTube kind of just laxing the rules on this. It really is. All right, that's some good Google news. Let's get some bad Google news. Like the fact that Google is opening up its generative AI search experiences to teens. Ah, yes. Large language models. The same large language models that told us that um, that making uh, fragrant water was a good idea and the ingredients were ammonia and bleach. Which, by the way, creates lung damage. Creates mustard gas. Don't do that. Don't mix ammonia and bleach. You will literally send yourself to the hospital and send innocents to the hospital as well, you dinguses. 
let's go ahead and have those hallucinating large language models go ahead and open up two teens. But Eagle, you say, you're taking extreme cases. There's been nothing recent lately. AI recently has been flawless. There has been nothing recent that large language models have done that has been misinformative at all. Is that what you're thinking? Well then, my delusional friend, let me introduce you to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, the results of modern technology. Where an AI told you that you could in fact melt eggs. And the hallucination from the AI was taken by fact by Google and the misinformation was spread. Welcome to the future. The future where all sorts of information points to the fact that eggs can melt. Slow freaking clap. Chat says there are four lights. <laughs> yes, there are four lights. A hundred percent. There are four lights. Welcome to the future. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you to check out our other works at youtube.com slash eaglefalcon. And check out our live streams. Twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. We have a lot planned for this upcoming week with FF14 launching its last major patch before the next expansion. I encourage you to check it out. We're going to have a lot of fun. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. to think what I could do for April Fools next year. I was going to say just have chat GBT write an entire episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, but we already did that for the early bird briefing. That and quite frankly, I also don't want to spread misinformation like the fact that uh, you can melt eggs. What's next? Them trying to tell me I can burn water? 
that I can drink gasoline? What? Where's the line for the stupid stuff that uh, AI can go ahead and just hallucinate on? Maybe I should just replace myself with an AI. Just one day, just like pop up, just have a freaking PNG of of me just there and just just have an AI go ahead and generate everything. Ugh. At what I do wonder at what point, you know, normally I say something silly here, but I do got to ask at what point do we look at large language language models and go, you know, those were really bad. My gosh, darn it. There's just still good money in it and we're going to milk it for all it's worth. Apparently.